listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Okay, hi, podcasters. Well, we welcome you to the show. Uh, this is our 17th or 18th. I don't We're like at 28 now. About 28, all right. I wasn't here for some of them, I think. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, first off, we got a couple of questions, kind of some couple of important questions. So let's just jump into that. First one, I have huge issues with dealing with loss, 
death, relationships, relationships, find myself withdrawing to avoid the feeling, uh, feeling any uh, suggestions. Wow, you, you, you just covered the whole, the whole show, what we, what we, the things that we're interested in. You know, loss, death, relationship, you couldn't get any deeper than that. And the withdrawal, what we, what we go through when we're in pain, we withdraw. Um, and in fact, this show is geared to seeing another possibility of, of instead of taking the usual routes and we need to go through any grieving, if there's grieving, any pain, and uh, that would be really apropos to a psychotherapy. I don't know if that's uh, at all on your thinking. It's according to how, how deep the issues are. If the loss is leading to depression, you might be able to get some help. Uh, I know the right therapy. Uh, so it's a matter of the depth of all the things that you're talking about. But loss, death, relationship, um, or withdrawing, it's kind of the topics that we're on. Wait a minute. Doesn't every time you you lose something, or you know, let's say relationship or loved one, I mean, isn't doesn't that go hand in hand with depression? You said especially if it winds up in depression. I don't know anybody who like jumps around for glee at the passing of no, someone. Or yeah, it's not the opposite, uh, but there are depths of it. There's things. The, the clinical depression does have certain kinds of. Uh, dynamics to it. There are people that are sad. Things go wrong and they're sad. So it's a matter of depth. Clinical depression is deep. One can't function as well, one can and one might need medication. So it's a matter of degree. That that's all it is. Of course grief is grief and people go all all through their life they go different periods of grief and difficulties. But if it's real deep, then it's the a depression and maybe it could be helped by psychotherapy or medication. This second one really falls into Ray's uh, area very well because it's absolutely what he went through. What is the result of years of an older brother bullying and beating up a younger, well, it says here, sister, and the mother ignoring it? So let me kind of turn that up. Ray, that's been in Ray's life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I had a lot of that with my older brother. But I didn't have him until I was... You know, I was an only child until about three, and then I got bombarded with, um, you know, Ron was born, and then Rob was my older brother. And he came here, you know, from Germany. He was born there. He's actually my half-brother. But, um, you know, he was bitter, and he, he took, I mean, I don't know how bitter he was, but, you know, he was definitely a bully. And it had a huge effect on me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, th I think it still does at a level, you know, like placating and being second fiddle. You know, you kind of you kind of take that kind of stuff on and not complaining or whatever. And then um, it builds its own life, you know, out of protection, more or less, from him. And then, you know, you, sooner or later, well, for me, you know, I got to be about 12, 13 and figured out I could beat him up. You know, and it's still to this day, sometimes when we get together, it's it's a constant, you know, it's a wrestling match or he broke my glasses or tore my shirt. Mm. You know, he's, it's still that still testosterone weirdness, you know, mm -hmm. even though he's short and fat. How about the part of, I don't know if this happened to you or not, the part about the mother ignoring it? Yeah, a little, little bit of that. I mean, she had, you know, 
a household of four boys. It's not like it was ignored, but it w- there was never a sit down. You mm-hmm. know, there was never a real. You know, like my older brother, my parents got a new dinette set. You know, one of those vinyl ones. You know, my mm-hmm. older brother poked a hole in it with mm-hmm. a nail. You know, screwing around. Mom saw it. You know, who poked the hole in the chair? And then prior to her seeing it, my older brother sitting me down. Listen, here's how it's going to go. You're the youngest. You're the younger one. So just say you did it because you'll suffer less consequences than I will. All right, I got your back, Rob. No problem. Mom finds out who did it. Ray raises his hand. I did. All right, great. You're punished for two weeks. You know, we always had that, like, you're punished Mm -hmm. thing or whatever. You know, you have to stay in the house. Three days later, I go go to her. I go, Ma, guess what? I didn't do it. Rob did it. She hit me. Mm. (laughs) Mm. So now you see how underground you can go. Right. You know, because if you tell the truth, you're going to get beaten. If you cover for somebody, you're going to lose. Yeah, it's pretty, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. It's a big topic, you know, something that people don't bring about. They're adult, I kind of, I don't know, forget about it. Now everybody's an adult. But I'm, I'm glad this question was asked. Or big deal. Everybody like goes, oh, big deal. Right. And particularly in the rotation of family siblings. When one sibling is her, one sibling is picked on, then he may go to the younger sibling. This works in a lot of families. And um, this about the, what's the, Parent reaction is a very important question. And now, how does the parent? Now, the parent should observe that one one of the kids, or whatever the hierarchy of the family is, is being passed down. Um, and Ray said, like kind of a get together. Really, take one if it's one child. Just take that person, take the family aside, and father to get involved in it um, if he's around. He wouldn't even know how to get involved in it. You know what I mean? I don't think either of them... Well, you know, my mom did parenting. You know, that's for sure. I mean, she tried anyway as best she could. But dad, you know, nah, he was on the run. You know, he wasn't there for any stuff like that. I mean, he was never a real disciplinarian. My mom was always a disciplinarian. I mean, my dad would... I mean, I remember we never had coke or anything in the family you know and i i belched one time because we had coke in in the house and my dad got up and smacked me in front of company (laughs) just got up and whacked me i was like what's that for why'd you hit me yeah i was like nine yeah i didn't get it and um oh yeah you know belching in front of other people's rude You know, you, but you didn't. You know, so that's you got this weird mixed message. You didn't even know what was going on. Right. So he all of a sudden he's he's not involved in it. Then all of a sudden he yeah. strikes out. Right. And Way to go, pops. Yeah. So it goes from one extreme to the other extreme. But the question about parents really need to observe that they need to see how the siblings are interacting, and particularly if, if abuse occurs, and that's the word. Just got to use the right word, abuse. Sometimes it goes on for the entire life of the family, and it's never really uh, addressed by the parent. Now they're busy, they're running, they're working, and they make and they don't really take the time to say, "Wait a minute, what's going on in this family? We need to sit and talk." In fact, we need. I've had a couple of families that came in uh, as families for help um, in this area over the years that I've been practicing. And we really go into it. Who's doing what and what? What's the reason and what's behind it? Until the family really begins to balance out more and watch out for it. 
So that's a very... Well, I brought my little brother in to see you. That went over well. <laughs> Your little brother. My little brother and my mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. Did that topic come up? Was that the, why they were there? Well, no. Then that's when Rich was really um, skinny. Oh yeah, he and was then uh, yeah, and then um, and then when we left, my mom said, "Well, you're the one who said, you know, to reply to me. You're the one who said he couldn't get under two hundred pounds. You know, mm-hmm. when he weighed two seventy prior." I was like, Shh. "You know, mm-hmm. no, nobody got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit. I think Rich did more than she did, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, they, you couldn't." Well, we went a couple of times, didn't we? I can't really remember anymore. But um, well worth it for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny when you when you go somewhere like to you, and then you see where somebody else is, and mm-hmm. you see how they might be stuck, or guess what? They're not getting it, you know. And you were you've been beating your head against the wall mm-hmm. for God knows how many years trying to make somebody get it, and then you see how futile it is, and that that. And then compassion can kick in, mm. you know, and then you can go, wow, all right, you weren't capable of, of whatever, you know, now you, now you can see it. Yeah. When before you were just kicking down the door. Yeah, two, we got two great questions today. They both have involved real depth <clears throat> and one, you know, we'll, have, and we'll keep having, really coming back to them again because uh, it's rampant, this abuse in families. Um, sometimes it's between mother and father, and they're even if it's not physical, they're arguing and being very disrespectful to each other, which now teaches the kids they're able to do that and argue and hurt each other. Um, big, big topics. I really thank the people who have sent those in, and we'll continue to address them. Okay, what Ray just said just reminded me of something because I didn't think about that in my family. But I'm thinking... Um, there was a period and that during the war, in the 19, mid-40s, I had a brother, young brother, was drafted at 18, Ralph. He, he just died um, about a year ago. Um, and he, he went into the Army very young, and he, um, he was a trained um, machine gun specialist. And he really went through terrible things. He killed a lot of people. Uh, a lot of he was in the Pacific warfare, and he handled those bonsai attacks, um, and uh, where he just killed wave after wave after wave. And, he, and when he got home, he he estimated he must have killed like three of the five thousand um, from this automatic weapon. Um, you remember that they piled up in front of the gun. He had to shift a gun. There were those that even got close, you know, to keep on charging. It was terrible. Anyway, but he, he was only eighteen, and he just he just got so hard and tough. So that when he got home, I was about, said thirty one, forty one. I was about at that time, you know, maybe fourteen. And when he got home, he really began to uh, use that mood of moodiness, and he began to discipline me the way he was disciplined in the army. And he would have me scrub floors, and I just, boy, I, I just shrinkled <laughs> back to that time, and I would complain. And uh, were you <clears> younger <throat> than? <throat> were you yeah. younger? You were younger than. So you were the youngest. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not. I was the youngest in the family. Yeah, I, I said I was a teenager when he came back, and he was young too. I mean, he might have been twenty, might have been away for two or three years. Um, 
But he came home, he was really affected by uh, the amount, what he saw in the war. And he, came, he left one way and he came home very hard and tough. And, um, and well, there was a lot of abuse. I mean, he just went after me. I was a low man on the totem pole now, so he, um, he didn't so much hit me, but he just barked orders and had me do things. And um, so it was a form of abuse that I, um, I've really forgotten all about. See, that's the other thing. The podcast audience, you'll begin to realize, you begin to search a little bit and say, wait a minute, what did happen in our family? And remember about abuse, it does not just have to be physical. In fact, sometimes the verbal and emotional abuse are, are, are more difficult. So we opened up a whole new area today. And, um, we'll, and we'll, I'm sure this will come back to us again. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah. I got, we got a, uh, me and my older brother got a uh, BB gun for uh, Christmas, you know. Not that this is any big deal, but it was, it was a pretty nice one. But I didn't understand how to line up the sight. You know the V, the V with the mm. um, with the uh, the front sight on the um, on the muzzle. You know to to coordinate them and to put. And nobody told me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So it was like I would shoot it, and I'd miss. You know, and then my father and my older brother would shoot it and, and hit the target. You know, most every time. But they never explained to me mm. how to do it. So what do they do? Of course, they made fun of me. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so I, but I never knew how to how to operate the thing. Mm-hmm. So I killed them both. No. Right. So you know, I just never got it. Mm-hmm. And then I I figured it out on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that going on in families. You yeah, know. that hidden you know small thing a bit, which what seems sometimes just gets passed over without any thought at all. Sometimes are the most painful things that the person who's being abused kind of stores away. If you ask them about it, they wouldn't even recall. That's, uh, I, I, you're absolutely right. I don't think my brother ever would ever own up to that. Um, so the secret hurts and wounds that we carry and how they go underground for us, and which we're going to begin to, as we descend into the psyche, heading towards all soul, um, we're going to start coming across these babies. And abuse is one of them. Um, that, that, that'll be one something to see. Okay, so um, now before we actually make a little descent today, I want to go over uh, the tool that we've been working with so we'll have a tool and the meaning of this in our life, namely mindfulness. So as Ray and I check our, our, our mindfulness, where we are as far as our posture is concerned, Maybe the podcast audience wants to join us. You just check yourself out because it's an into you're starting to go. You're starting to look inside yourself. That's that's the idea of it. Uh, so the uh, the, uh, the the tool of mindfulness. So let me just go over that again. Um, how we can use it in our life, and how when we descend, we'll need to be in um, a little different consciousness. Okay, so number one, uh, the moment-to-moment awareness. You actually, from moment-to-moment, check your awareness. Am I really here? Am I just in a daydream? Moment-to-moment. We are challenging our automatic reactivity. 
Now, automatic reactivity, I mean, we just normally do it. We have no, it's, it's used, that's the identity we have. That's what people know of us. And it just happens automatic. In other words, no consciousness. We're going for consciousness, and which could affect then our automatic reactivity. And three, start right from the beginning. Um, when I got up this morning, and I'll just use it as a, a way of a model for those that want to try it, I first of all was thoughtful. The moment my feet touched the floor, the bedroom floor, was kind of the first sound of a reminding that the steps I will take from there on in, I want it to be a foundation for the mindfulness of that day. So think of that for yourself. Mind you touch the floor, go into the bathroom, and if you shave or whatever, put makeup on, whatever it may be, where you do that in a different way. You actually bring a consciousness as you shave in the mirror. You take it a little slower. You're in touch with your breath. You feel your feet on the floor. You're beginning to introduce mindfulness into your day, just right from the very time you touch the floor. And then let's say you move to breakfast as you sit down, if you eat at home before you go to work. or Then as the food is in front of you now, coffee and morning breakfast, you, as you begin to eat it, you eat in a, in a very conscious way. And chewing the food, seeing where you are, um, maybe not reading the newspaper, or at least times of not putting the paper aside, chewing, and actually, actually chew and swallow before or the next bite. Sometimes people actually put the fork or spoon down and then pick it up again. So the next thing is eating. That's breakfast in the morning. I'm actually going to try to go through this step by step. Or if you don't eat and you just jump in your car, remember walking is a meditation. Now, I don't mean if there's official walking Buddhist meditations. That's, uh, I'm not talking about that. That's very official. That's slow in a certain technique. I'm talking about just normal walking. So, so let's say as you leave the, leave the kitchen, getting the keys, getting ready to go to the car, each step going to the car, you can bring the mindfulness through breath or even counting the steps to the car. So now if you rush off and you're going to stop at Starbucks, let's say, from, and now there's a little line, as you stand in that line, Again, you think of mindfulness. You're feeling your feet on the floor. You're in touch with your breath. And you have a sense of an awareness of where you are, other people, the smell of the coffee, and uh, whether you're impatient, whether you, you begin to really bring a consciousness to that. Um, now, the thing about mindfulness, it's in every moment of our life. We want, it's very hard to do at the very beginning because we go right back to sleep again. When you're in the state of mindfulness, you're more awake. So when it comes back to you, you bring an awakeness to it. And, and then whatever's in front of us really could become a real teaching. Let's say you're doing the dishes. You know, you pick up that cup, you, you do it with awareness, or if you put it in the dishwasher, you actually have an awareness. As I pick up that cup, as I wash dishes... I, uh, as I um, wash dishes, I also am doing it in a conscious way. So everything in our life, uh, we try to bring back 
this consciousness to it. Um, so um, let me go on with an example of my in my own life this morning. Um, my wife and I get up very early. We we attend the six thirty mass. Um, and my wife is not she's not she's not into this. I'm doing this kind of on my own. She she has she has something else she does. She's really into yoga and has her own kind of practices. Um, so we we don't have breakfast. We we have breakfast afterwards. So we get the car out and do all that stuff. Now today Lynn drove. So when I got in the car, we were heading still dark, cold. Um, first thing I saw is as I was putting on my seatbelt, I was kind of I was slouched down. So I, I said, I'm not reminding me. This fact, the seatbelt, here's another thing about getting uh, reminders. When the seatbelt bell went off, because I wasn't on yet, that bell reminded me that on this trip, maybe I could be more conscious and more mindful. So then when I clicked it in and I sat up, then I noticed that um, my legs were kind of in a funny way. They weren't really... Um, lined up at all. So I straightened my back. I would line my, and you know, cards a little short. I would rather cross my legs or put my legs in a funny way because there's not a lot of room. But I had to really sit up to put my feet on the floor as I thought about this mindfulness. Then as we drove, and here's another part. As we drove, I'll, different things came up in mind as I paid attention to what was going on in my mind. And one was, one part was I was, I had criticisms about her driving, you know, <laughs> that came, and um, um, little, little fun. I wanted to poke fun at her family, her mouth, her big mouth sister. Oh, be careful, Carol! Don't say that. Um, Did so, you say anything to her? No, I know. Uh, here, here's I'll make this point in a moment. So. A lot of little jumbly associative stuff, most to do with some sort of criticism or some form of humor or something. Um, anyway, we got there in about 10 minutes. Now we get out. And I didn't say anything to her. Now, here's another thing that I'm, I'm learning and maybe passing it on to you. It might be of some help. All the things I could have said in that car, and, and a lot of it would have been negative and under the guise of humor, um, so uh, I held back I didn't say them I wanted to um, and then when we got to the church when we got in um, you know here, here's something now now I'm in a different environment now, so now I'm trying to be conscious in this environment and the first thing getting in a pew I realized sometimes I just kind of give a little uh, I don't really um, genuflect I just give a little jerk because genuflect, I mean, I have to go all the way down and touch floor with my knee. And today, because I was in this mood of this and thinking about what I was going to, the day of the podcast, I actually genuflected at the pew. I noticed I went all the way down and touched the floor the way one should be if one were really there. Now, here's the interesting thing. When we got into the pew, we were both sitting there waiting for the begin. She looked at me and said, um, did um, did I lock the car? <laughs> and something in me, um, my eyebrows raised. I got like a funny sound in my voice. Oh, 
I mean, I went, oh, rolled my eyes back and said, she said, what are you doing? Oh, I, oh nothing, nothing. Now, here's an interesting, that's a very small, that's a thing I must have done a thousand times and never seen it before. The first time I really, um, really saw that, I, you know, I, it was as though I, I, I wanted to get something out negative in some way after I held it in for the whole drive. Now I did something very automatic when she said that I, oh, that's all she said that, that I, that I uh, locked the car. Oh, oh, my eyes rolled back as if to say, oh, God. <laughs> and she said, what are you doing? Um, now, I ordinarily wouldn't even notice that. How many things we do that are so automatic and so part of our life that we don't even think are anything? Tones of voices rolling our eyes. That's, and I thought, God, I discovered something more subtle. In other words, there's all difference of subtleties of what we're doing. Now I've added another level, that rolling of the eyes and that face going a certain way and that funny little sound I made. Oh. <laughs> Did she say anything to you? <laughs> She said, I, I just, I just, no, she said, yeah, she did say something. I just asked you about whether the car, she, no, she didn't want me to add anything else. <laughs> you just could have answered It's yes funny or. how it builds like a, a strange underlying tension. Yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't even have to be said, you know, but you can feel it. I mean, you think she could feel it in the car or you felt it in the car through your own self-observation and then it let out, you know, in the pew. By the way, I never knew that word genuflect. Yeah, it's a, it's a certain way you bow or you go down on one knee. It's a great word. Brian knows all about it. Do you? Never heard it before. Yeah, he's a genuflector <laughs> of all times. But do, do you then do you say that like you know? So so you caught this observation and now you see this other level to yourself. But that's throughout. That's concurrent for your eighty fucking years. Oh yeah, right. I've been doing that. I'm missing it most of the times. This I was in the mood of the mindfulness and caught it this time, and I caught something more subtle, not just a negative um, criticism, a sentence, or a word. It was something um, that was like a little beneath the surface as this clunk. Now I, I have an area I'm kind of watching for now because it's very automatic. Okay, so I'm taking a look at our time. Um, That's a huge thing, though, Jim. Yeah, it's, um, we're, we're going to go come back to that when we have the time of that again. And you're in a good relationship, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imagine if you're in a bad yeah, one. Well, the, how our parents might have done all these snide remarks and Number roll. One, first blues. We're on. Okay, here we go. Whoa, boy, we are talking today, folks. Wait till you hear this podcast today. Okay, we're going to do a little scatting and ask Ray to join me if you'd like to, or... Let's see what Shabba do boop, badui yo boody, scarabata boo, goo de baba 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 Bob, 
Listen, we just did our. We want to um, kind of sign off now. Uh, how about Ray? This is only a second time I think of doing this, but he's getting there. He's following. Pretty soon, he's going to start doing stuff on his own. I'm uh-huh. sure. All right. Um, so we want to say goodbye to our podcasters. Do your. Uh, <laughs> do, your do your. Ray extras. likes a buzz, so let me give you a buzz. I gotta get warmed up with that. Okay, so anyway, we'll we'll see you next week. Bye. You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network.